But I had some good burritos for dinner. Mm. I mean, they don't compare to El Gordo, but, you know, what does? El Gordo. <laughs> God, I miss El Gordo. Thanks. God, I want some burritos. <laughs> I made them myself. I've never made a successful burrito. Neither have I. I and, didn't, and, I didn't and, say they were successful, but they tasted good. Like, well, structurally, they were a mess. <laughs> I don't know what Bruja witchcraft they use to ensure that burritos stay closed and sealed. Uh, they use 14-inch tortillas to make a 7-inch burrito. Yeah, but if you're making a small burrito... Oh, like, that's hopeless. You might as well just tear the end off of it, because that shit's ending up in your lap. Yeah, no, so, like, that's why you have to get burrito-sized tortillas. Like, they look ridiculous when they're laid out flat, but you really need that to have enough space to roll them so they stay closed on the ends. Yeah. Or you need to make teeny, tiny little burritos. It's not the size of your burrito. I mean, it's small... How much juice it contains. Small, uh, <laughs> small ones can be fun, too, because you can eat more of them. Mm. Many I've eaten many small burritos, yes. Yeah, I'm sure you have. Um... No, a couple of days ago, my dad brought some leftover uh, Mexican stuff from some catered event, uh, like steak and chicken and uh, the. I don't want to call it Spanish rice, but it's that style. You know what you know what you get at a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. Um, yes. Yellow yeah, rice. Uh, just a bunch of no, not yellow. It's more orange. It's it's um tomato juice rice. Oh, okay. Um. But, you know, a bunch of that stuff, and I also had some avocado sitting around, so I cut up an avocado and, like, made a steak burrito. Oh, uh, he brought, uh, like, a little bucket of queso, too, from that thing, so I put some of that in there. A bucket of queso? Yeah, you've seen them, right? Just dumped them. Just dunked them in a bucket of queso? <laughs> no. I'm especially, like, a, a paint can full of queso. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't dunk them in the queso. I, I got a fork and uh, applied the queso. Like imagine the the thing they used to apply honey in the commercials. Oh, okay. I, it's that, but with cheese sauce. See, oh god, <laughs> sounds that sounds way too good. Honestly, yeah. It, See, no, imagine a honey pot full of cheese sauce, and then I would just be all poo with it, <laughs> my head stuck in it. <laughs> oh, bother. <laughs> Climb up the, the, the nacho cheese tree, and there's nacho bees all swimming around in it. Nacho bees. <laughs> but whose bees are they, then? They're like regular bees, except they have little mustaches and sombreros on. <laughs> this is the worst, but it's so great. It's not discriminatory if we're celebrating them. Sure. <laughs> in any These case, bees bring us nacho cheese. <laughs> they they harvest it from the pollen of nacho flowers. But it was such you a good idea. To, it was such a good idea to throw avocado slices in those burritos. It was so good. Avocado improves a lot of foods. It does. It really does. I it's love like avocado. It's like healthy butter. It's fruit butter, but not apple butter. No, that's something different. Mm, apple butter. <laughs> Okra butter. It's all slimy. <laughs> Tomato butter has got little pockets of seeds and snot in it. No. I don't understand eating okra. Neither do I. It's like one of the most 
He's still looking at it as one of the most vile things. <laughs> That's because to eat it properly, it needs to be fried. Because frying it makes everything edible. Yeah, but at that at that point, hmm. you're almost making it into something it's not. <laughs> like, you can fry anything. It's a vehicle for breading. <laughs> like white meat chicken. Yeah. Right. So why would I just why wouldn't I just have the chicken instead? I wonder what fried avocado would taste like. Well, that's a stupid question. It would taste like fried food, but like it would be delicious. Creamy and crispy. Oh, that sounds amazing. It'd be like a a savory fried Milky Way. (laughs) I've never had a fried Milky Way. I want some fried pickles. I want (laughs) I want some sushi. Still this, never this, had good sushi. <laughs> this 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 talk of uh you know crispy and uh creamy just makes me think of the texture of sushi McNuggets. Sushi McNuggets. Yeah, you know, like when you go to a Chinese buffet that has sushi, and when the sushi is sat around for a little while and is you know getting to the point where they got to get rid of it, they just temper or batter it and throw it in the fryer and then put it back out. I have not had that, so I don't know. I started calling it Sushi McNuggets to irritate Bok Cobb. <laughs> but it's pretty much accurate. Oh no. <laughs> oh yes, it's time for that one episode of Star Trek again. We've actually managed to do three episodes. Well, actually, I guess I can't say that yet because we've only just started. We might just like say it and quit halfway through this, and then the podcast is over again. But um, for now, at least you know we've we've successfully done two episodes, which is like an episode and a half more than I thought we were going to do when Mickey successfully nagged me into starting doing this again. <laughs> On reflection, uh, I probably shouldn't have gave in because it's teaching him the wrong lesson. Too late. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. I've already learned that lesson. <laughs> Whining works. Yeah, I didn't need to teach you that. I only taught you that it was effective on me after a while. <laughs> and that's what I regret the most. Oh, I'm sure you regret other things more. I just meant in reference to the podcast itself. Like if we're talking about life, I. if we're talking about <laughs> life in general, then yeah, I mean No nothing... no, I'm I meant the podcast as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I think back to how, like, January of 2010, we started doing, you know, regular original superhero time. And even though, you know, we've, we've had breaks from doing this stuff for a while, it's still a lot of my life that's just disappeared into this. We, we <laughs> took a break because so we had to wait for the heat to die down. I mean... If we didn't get in trouble over Planet Africa or Profit and Lace. And that was right at the start. Yeah. Of this version, anyway. Yeah, no, there, there's no decision I will be more satisfied with in the Star Trek podcast than having our first episode be Code of Honor. Yeah. Because, like, that was the perfect thing, because that, that told everyone immediately exactly what our podcast is going to be about. <laughs> There's no ambiguity when you start with an episode like that. That is, that is such an amazing bad episode. 
We, we should do it one day. Yeah, we should, we should podcast that episode again. <laughs> <laughs> it's been long enough. Yeah, it's been like three years. You know, remakes are all in the in vogue right now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's no. nostalgic. We should reboot uh, Toast uh, with an all-female cast. You know, for empowerment. Ah. So anyway, our episode this week is The Child from Season 2 of Next Generation. It's actually yeah, speaking the, of empowerment. It's actually the first episode of Season 2. Sure is. Yeah. It's all about a woman's right to choose. To get... For about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we gotta, then, then, then we she chose and that part was no, over. We... <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's take an episode for Troy, but spend at least a third of it on Wesley. <laughs> Yes, female empowerment. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why was this chosen again? I didn't do it. Is it because it's the first, is it, it's because it's, is it because it's Pulaski's first episode? That's just an added bonus. <laughs> we, we get Pulaski being racist. Uh, we get Wesley being a whiny bitch. We get the first appearance of Guinan. I know you can't say first that. appearance. Yes. Uh huh. Wow, I didn't realize. And we get Troy getting raped and giving birth to a rape baby. Jesus <laughs> Christ Almighty! This is the perfect superhero time episode. Maybe it's a good thing that a third of the episode gets given the Wesley whining. <laughs> well, in any case, I mentioned a few minutes ago that we had a suitable pun. Well, I had a suitable punishment for Ken in mind, and yeah, yes, it I get it. It is a punishment for the rest of us too. Ultimately, it's more like punishment for the rest of you, to be honest with you. <laughs> So we're going to spend the next four hours covering this 50-minute episode. <laughs> well, that that's fine, because, like, our last two episodes only barely topped an hour each, so, like, you know, let's let's get the people their money's worth. Hey, topping for an hour is pretty good. <laughs> it, it's fine. I'm sure at some point Ken will have done badly enough that Mickey will just get exasperated and jump in and take over and save well, us I'm counting all. on. I would never do that. <laughs> I can always just kick Ken off the call, too, if it gets too bad. Let's get a bed early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he won't come back. <sighs> well, we got almost three episodes out of him before he quit this time. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> yes, Ken, take us to the episode. Oh, must I? <laughs> so, um... Oh, one thing I, I do want no at the start of this, so I haven't I, w- I haven't watched TNG for a while except for the episode that we watched a couple weeks back. Um, no, that was Voyager. Shit, I haven't watched TNG for a while. <laughs> so go so going from Voyager to <laughs> DS Nine in, in in standard definition, <laughs> and then and then it, you start start you start the episode and it looks nice in HD, and then you, and it cuts to the camera that's on the bridge. And that HD transfer could not do anything for this particular camera for some reason because other shots in the episode look fine. They look great. But this is one panning camera on the bridge that looks like absolute dog shit every time it appears. Uh, I think it's because the bridge is too dimly lit. Well, no, there there are some bridge shots that look fine. It's just... It's like this one particular camera. Well... On the memory alpha, they said they actually brought in extra cameras. They wanted to make this episode feel larger, 
it's possible this the motion camera they got is shitty. Are you serious? Yeah. They actually spent extra money to try and make this feel more dramatic because there's a big break in between first season and second season because of the, the writer's strike. Right, right, right. And so they want to try to make up the fans by doing something bigger, like make sure it's worth the wait and not just business as usual. So they do a bottle episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> a bottle episode uh, of a plot recycled from Star Trek Phase 2. Uh, yes, that also. Yeah, see, that's how they could afford to bring in the extra cameras and, like, you know, do the production tricks, because, like, they didn't have to actually pay for a script out of this episode's budget. Uh-huh. Paramount oh, already wait. owned the script. Mm-hmm. From 1970-something. Sure. Jesus Christ. This, this plot <laughs> almost became the plot of the motion picture. You know. Oh, my God. You know, I think that might have been better. Hmm. But would, I, have, would, would well, it have been filmed and directed like the motion picture? A, just a 15-minute, like, a Passover shot of uh, Troy's uh, unborn fetus. No, it would be a 15-minute shot of the fetus traveling out the womb and being born. Hey, I wasn't finished yet. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, they're really going for 2001 there, huh? Anyway, like, it, it's fine if this was almost... Uh, the motion picture because the motion picture was itself just the the original series episode Nomad again basically <laughs> so as seen through the lens of 2001 yeah 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 there, there's a lot and, of that going around anyway Jordy's been promoted and they're talking about some shit that probably important but god if I can't give a crap uh, it's like <laughs> it's like the B and a half plot B and a half no I think that's the B plot Wesley's the C plot. <laughs> the, the A plot is we get to see an Excelsior class ship in the opening shot. Uh, no, oh, yes. no, Wesley is the B plot, and B stands for bitch. Oh, okay, yes, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't, I, I don't like jumping on the you know Wesley hate bandwagon all the time, but in this particular episode, you can kind of see how it came about. <laughs> I, I firmly believe that they started handling Wesley better after about the halfway point in the second season. Uh, yeah. But at this point, it's still pretty justified. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, uh, he, he, he sucks, sucks pretty hard. And uh, now his mom's not here because season changeover. Um, because reasons, yeah. But I'll, I'll, yeah. Um, I'll jump on with Mickey uh, for praising the Excelsior appearance. <laughs> That's a nice. Even joke. if it's glowing underneath it for some reason, I don't know why, but. So, Jordy's C plot there getting uh, some stuff transported on board. Uh, uh, yes, yes. Jordy has designed Pokeballs to catch STDs. Yeah, basically, yes. Like, yeah, that's 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 basically it. Yeah, Jordy was Jordy was a good, uh, you know, six years ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah, Jordy's only first- he had known. <laughs> Jordy's first official act on the job as chief engineer was to design little plastic containers to put viruses in. Yep. And I like how Riker's turned on that he's chief engineer now. Yeah, he's like, he, his reaction to that's a little, um... Chief engineer, that's got a nice <laughs> ring to it. Ooh. <laughs> like, Makes my well. spandex feel a little tighter. What's your job title and tell me you like jazz? <laughs> The gold brings up the whiteness of your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Not that he can see it. No, the visor. (laughs) 
So what's interesting here, like, Jordy says they have to replicate the Pokeball, like, 500-something times. Uh-huh. And in order to do that, they have to take all the warp power for, like, two or three hours to be able to replicate 500 of these uh-huh. little plastic things. And you well, think that would be you think that would be relevant to the plot of the episode, but it's not. <laughs> you would no, you no. My point is, you would think like they would easily be able to replicate five hundred of something without taking the warp drive offline. Well, <laughs> yes, but this is Jordy's first day on the job. He doesn't know how engineering actually works yet. <laughs> so what also, you're, what when, you're saying is his Pokeball is actually like really materially inefficient, so it has to like work harder to uh, replicate it. Also, jo- as he leaves. Uh, go ahead. Jordy thinks that in order to plug up more replicators, you have to unplug the warp engines. <laughs> Look, that's the only outlet the cord will reach. <laughs> um, if we try to run there... the replicators off an extension cord, we will pop a circuit breaker, and I don't want to go and dig out the stuff in front of the panel to get to it and reset it. And then the warp engines will be offline anyway. <laughs> So we might as well just cut out the middleman and turn the engines off in the first place and just plug directly in. <laughs> oh god, this is starting to this is starting to remind me of your Minecraft stuff. <laughs> it reminds me of your microwave stuff. Um. Also, as he leaves the room, right? It reminds me of that time Mickey's TV blew up while I was visiting. Come to think of it, let's not remember that. Let's let's put it into Ken's summary here. <laughs> If you ever want to leave this, it's not my fault. I keep trying to move along. (laughs) So anyway, a random light then goes on to the Enterprise. Passes through some rooms. Sees a guy. (laughs) Sees and then says, nah. (laughs) Yeah, passes over a guy with a blanket pulled up over his chest, but it turns out it's just chest hair. If I was some energy-based life form looking to reproduce, like, even setting aside the fact that the male of the species can't carry the baby, I would definitely have rejected that guy, too. <laughs> uh, then, he fi- then it finds Troy's room, and, well, um, yeah. It does the whole Michael Jackson, Billie Jean thing with the light going underneath the covers. Hmm. There's some... No, I shouldn't go there. <laughs> Oh, no, you totally should. Remember where you are. I think we're already there. <laughs> well, the, the must, sparkly must light invoke, is certainly must, gone must there. Must you invoke Michael Jackson, <laughs> of all things, <laughs> with what this light just did? <laughs> and his bad touch. Oh, it's fine, though. She's a girl. Uh, and this is, this is like some kind of energy thing, so technically there's no touch at all. Uh, why did we choose this episode again? <laughs> mm, I didn't do it. Oh, this make, makes me feel unclean. Ah, oh, well, Troy is banged by photons. Yeah, speaking yes. of feeling unclean, like it doesn't take long for her to just like uh, shoot straight up in bed. Yeah, no, uh huh, sweaty. I hit the awake button. So anyway, skipping through the credits, um, Pulaski um, is is not afforded a main character credit. But that's fine because we also have special special guest star Whoopi Goldberg. I like so. Pulaski is just transferred over from the Excelsior class ship. The Correct. Repulse. Yeah, that's quite a name. <laughs> um, and she doesn't bother to check in. Mm-mm. Like Picard, without even meeting her, hates her. 
<laughs> when he can be when he thing. can be bothered to remember her name. Yeah, that's the one thing I actually like about this episode. It's like Picard's just like unfounded, complete and utter disgust with this woman he's never met. But yet he hired her. <laughs> oh no, I don't think I don't necessarily well, think he hired her because like she was probably transferred. My my feeling is that you know he was in no hurry to replace Doctor Crusher because you know they they were friends and a bit and got along really well and he probably was disappointed to have her leave and was not really eager to Starfleet, Starfleet was like hey you got you really do actually need a a chief medical, medical officer. <laughs> officer and no you can't promote that Vulcan woman who's working in sickbay <laughs> she's only going to actually appear on screen once she can't be the chief medical officer so um, Picard's trying to figure out where the hell she is and he's like oh he, she's at the bar <laughs> <laughs> just a look on his face was like three hours on board and she's found the bar <laughs> the look on Riker's face though is is, is priceless he's like yeah hey. yeah but but oh. Worf, Worf wins the scene not the best way to meet your new captain as Picard storms off the bridge to go and confront her thank you Worf <laughs> master of the obvious <laughs> So, I'm sorry. Ken, you're oh. doing this, not me. <laughs> no, go, go right ahead. I, I, I would never take this honor away from you. I want to know what you were going to say. Uh, I was going to say Picard goes to 10 forward. 14 yeah, minutes. Said that's yourself. Also, 14 also, minutes. After, that's I, faster than I thought it would be before Mickey started taking over. <laughs> not before he has a long, awkward scene with Wesley. Oh, yeah. The the uh, turbo was dried <laughs> from hell. Yes. But actually, what I like better than that is where they're walking at the end of the hallway. Uh, and I get, I guess, I guess this was not cut, found for the HD cut, where Picard walks off screen, Wesley's standing there, and then you see Stuart's shoulder re-enter the yes. screen. For I don't know if that was in the I don't know if that was in the SD version or if that was just a, a special treat for the HD HD remaster. Also, that's where they weasel in what happened to Crusher. Yeah, she got promoted to Captain of Starfleet Doctors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like holy shit! Why the fuck is Wesley still here? What did she do to th- earn that? Well, um. She made it through season one of TNG. <laughs> She's the only Doctor in Starfleet that has a nice bedside manner, so maybe we should follow her lead? She didn't get killed by a tar monster. <laughs> She's not a hologram. <laughs> we wanted more of an asshole of a doctor to invoke T- TOS. I don't know. Uh, regardless, uh, Picard finds Guinan just casually walking on screen. Ah, I think the first <laughs> appearance of Ten Forward as well. Yeah. Yes, it is. But like but like it, it's it's kind of weird. It, even back then Whoopi Goldberg was a pretty big name and she just kind of like is on screen for ten seconds and then points him points him off in a different direction. She doesn't get to see actual anything in the episode until later. It, it is kind of an odd first appearance. She's like, yep, go it, over it's, there. Just, it, it's just kinda of like walk on and you expect a canned audience applause. <laughs> it's just enough to establish that she's around so that she can, you know, like 
have a reason to be there and have her seen later. Because if that scene was her first appearance in the episode, that would feel weird. Anyway, Picard's pre- prepared to um, chew Pulaski out, but she's sitting with Deanna, and um, <laughs> cut to the briefing room. <laughs> no, what is that? Uh, yeah, okay, so Picard comes up saying... You're so bad at this. I'm Pulaski, trying to move along. What the, f- <laughs> what the f- Pulaski's like, sit the f*** down, Picard, and listen to this shit. <laughs> I don't have time for your protocol. We got business to do. No, I, I Dan, love I Dan love the dialogue here great. too. Like Picard walks up and is just like the most brusque introduction. Doctor Pulaski, ah, you must be Captain Picard. Now look, <laughs> I, protocol may have been shit on the repulse, but and Pulaski just cuts him off and is like, okay, sit your ass down. Yeah, <laughs> sit your ass down. I'm talking now. <laughs> Picard sits down. <laughs> Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> Nobody's ever done that before. <laughs> he doesn't know how to react. Am I so erect? <laughs> Shit. I haven't felt this in years. <laughs> <laughs> so now we come from here to the most awkward uh, briefing scene ever. Troy is just seated all the way on the other side of the room from everybody else. So, like, <laughs> whether, whether it's on purpose or not, like, watching this episode a couple times in the last two weeks, I feel like this scene's, like, really well put together for what they're doing with this episode for the next five minutes. Kind of. <laughs> sort of. Besides the fact that Picard just blurts out, like, she's preggers. I mean, I mean, like, I mean, you can assume what? you can assume that you know after Pulaski sat his ass down in ten forward, you know they had a conversation for a while about what was going on and how they were going to like move forward presenting this to the crew because you know awkward situation. So like, I, I doubt it's like it appears where he just like decides to tell everyone on his own initiative. <laughs> it makes I'm sure you're right. That way. And yet. As if Picard held a meeting for the crew to decide what to do about Deanna's pregnancy. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's absolutely, uh, that is absolutely the way it appears. Instead um, of asking her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So this, this, I mean, that's kind of why I think the scene works, because it does come into it looking like they're taking all of the personal agency away from her. And not uh-huh. letting her have any say over what's about to happen to her and what is growing in her. And then, like, right at the end of it, she just, like... And I I do think it's intentional that they went on this uh, line of progression because, like, they had the extended part where they kind of muted the audio of the other people talking and had yeah. her focusing on the image on the screen of the fetus. Oh, yeah. Um, you're, you're, you're right. It just makes everybody look like a fucking asshole. Oh no! It, it, no, I, you are not wrong at all. But like again, I I like the way that the progression works in this because like she has to sit there and like actually look at that picture for a while and kind of realize what's going on, what's at stake, and just finally like sit straight up and declare, "No, this this is my body. I'm in control of what's going on here, and we're doing this my way." And I, you can I, do what I, you I, have to I, to stop it from killing everybody on the ship if it comes to that. Mm-hmm. But like, we're not gonna like, you are not touching me or what's inside me. And I and I do appreciate that, especially for like what 1989, 1990 or so, give 89, or take. Yeah, 
No, this, was, no this was this would have been late eighty eight. Late eighty eight. Um so that's you didn't see anything like that on te- even talking even so much as approaching that stuff, even if they kind of soft hand some of it. Um and I probably would have more um positive to say about it if it lasted more than the next five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean it does what it needs to do though, because like she stands up and you know, declares her authority over what's going to happen, rightfully so. And in yeah. and at that moment, everybody else shuts down. Like, okay, that's what we're doing then. Yeah. Like, you know, they I'll immediately like, stop I, talking I about it and respect her yeah. decision without any question. And that's absolutely yeah, they, what that scene needs to convey. So, like, I really like the way this goes. And the scene is uncomfortable to watch for the whole thing. But again, on purpose, you're supposed to feel uncomfortable with how this goes down. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. There's some specific responses, though, that I find interesting. One is Riker's what the f- (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's he's more like, it's not mine, right? (laughs) (laughs) I swear they had them snipped. Yeah, that's one way to interpret it. The other is, like, he's trying to ask in as many questions as it takes as, you know, indirectly as possible, who you been f***ing? (laughs) And why didn't I know about it? (laughs) Oh well, yeah, that's that's the implicit subtext of that question, isn't it? Yeah. And then, uh, um, particular, uh, when the captain says like an alien life form is bringing the crew, like you see his danger cackles rise up. He's like, "Oh shit, <laughs> this is a yeah. threat." <laughs> and yeah. his immediate response is, "Well, if we abort it, we can still study it." Yeah, that was a little um, <laughs> like whoa, dude. Um, yeah, Worf comes off really badly in this episode. <laughs> I mean, I guess he is. A, I, I mean, I guess early Worf, you really adhere, a lot more here to, you know, probably cling on, not give a shit attitudes. He's just got job as head of security. Therefore, he's all hard on for being as secure as possible. That's true. He's probably a little bit insecure, no pun intended, uh, you know, looking at yeah. getting an important job that he's working through on his first day. And Worf's like, OK, so I got the new gold uniform. I'm, I'm standing, uh, you know five feet away from where I stood before it's important. And I don't have anything to show for it. Like I need to, I need to make my mark today. This, this yeah. is my day. It's the first day of the rest of my career. Damn it. I'm going to do something security. Let's abort that baby. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it does do a better job than you expect in 1988 for um, uh, women's reproductive rights. Yeah. Uh, after being raped by an alien light. But um, so an aspect of all this, that. I don't think it really should be ignored either, is that the Picard has to look at the safety of more than just Troy. Yeah. Yeah. And an uncomfortable, uncomfortable meeting where he has to just describe, decide what to do about her in brutal, flat out, you know, all on the table terms. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's probably more responsible than just letting this unlined, unknown alien do whatever the hell it wants with one of his crew. Yeah. That said, that said a later season Picard probably would have, uh, Probably would have taken a softer touch to it, yeah, to a degree. But from a Starfleet as a military organization standpoint, yes, the brutality of the scene makes sense. But it also makes sense because Starfleet is, you know, caring, and that they did go with Troy anyway. So. Yeah, they, they they don't push back against her, which you know, it's a choice. Therefore, it can be one or the other. Mm-hmm. So that's good. At least <laughs> it's, it's a really weird scene that works, even though it's 
kind of feels like it doesn't at times, but it all comes yeah. together at the end. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, and, and, and it like is, it, it is, is definitely it is definitely dated to a degree. <laughs> and it is a thing that feels like it's over within five minutes, but like once they actually reach that point of decision at the end of the scene, there is nothing more to continue along that line. Like they've already established, okay, going forward, and there's no more question about it. We're gonna take every precaution, but. There's no more point in having a meeting or bringing the subject up again. And also, like once they decide, like nobody's like harboring a grudge or trying to change anyone's mind. Everyone's no. on with yeah. it. In retrospect, a longer um, point. If they dwelled on that longer for the episode, we probably would have seen something like that. So that might be best that it is over with quicker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, it very easily could have turned into where the whole episode was about trying to talk her out of keeping the baby or. Uh, you know, some kind of like uh, social fallout over how the whole thing went down, but but that would interfere with what you do in the rest of the episode. So, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it totally would have changed what the episode became ultimately. Um, so you know, having this just be as long as it needs to and go straight to the point and actually do it reasonably well, you know, I think that's pretty good. Like, like Ken said again, for you know, late eighties especially. Yeah. It could it could it could be better. It could be a lot worse. It's no planet Africa. <laughs> oh, but what is? Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. They help protects one like a magic cloak. Oh. <laughs> one of these days, I'll actually get to watch a, a, a good episode of TNG. Today, not if I can days. help it. <laughs> Maybe on a different podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I mean, shit, we watched a good episode of Voyager, but <laughs> yes, Ken, but show. but this show exists to subvert your expectations. Welcome to 2020. <laughs> Christ. <sighs> so, um, anyway, yeah, where are we now? After a nice HD shot of the Enterprise, cut back to the shitty bridge shot. <laughs> Ah, and we see. Cam. Yes, um, <laughs> Troy's already in maternity clothes. Yes, her maternity kimono. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just then, so. Then, okay, go on. I'm okay. So, like, looking at it in the context of the episode being first run, like, I'm sure everybody was glad that she was not in her season one thing anymore. Jesus Christ. Uh, and, you know, had a new hairstyle and everything. But, like, it still feels like there was big problems with wardrobe for her for a while. Well, there are still big problems with wardrobe. I mean, look at look at Wesley's sweater. Anything that's, not, anything, anything that's not standard uniform sucks. It, 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 and it, as we're about to have Picard talk to a beekeeper. <laughs> you took my joke, you bitch. I was trying to get to it before you did. <laughs> well, fine then. I'm, I'm going to talk about then how Wesley turns around as all perving out on pregnant uh, Crusher. I don't. Or Troy. I, I mean, is it, is it perving out or is it more just like you know? Boy, that would be a lot worse. Yeah, that may not be the that may not exactly be the word you're looking for to describe that. He is turning around and staring to a point where Riker's like looks at him, gives him like, "Dude, stop it! You're being a creep. Turn around and do your job." Yeah, I mean, like you could totally call it like gawking, and you know that has it, that can it, have it, it, a 
a pervy con connotation to it, but it's it doesn't probably have meant. To. It's probably meant for like, hey, what the. F- is happening? Yeah, I I would think because he wasn't in the meeting. Wesley, yeah, Wesley's not privy to any of this. Shit. Yeah, actually, you know what? I didn't even think of that before. Now, like, probably, probably what happened? Literally, they had the meeting. She walked across the bridge or went through the back hallway or whatever, not showing or anything. And you know, the meeting was dismissed. And then you know, eight hours later, she comes up to the bridge from her quarters, and she's already you know equivalent to like eight months pregnant. And Wesley's just Wesley's like, wait, like, what did I miss? <laughs> yeah, Wesley's like, wow, Troy, you got fat. <laughs> and why'd you show up in your bathrobe? Yeah, that no, that's amazing, because, like, every time before this I've ever watched the episode, I've assumed Wesley just, like, at some point was kind of, you know, brought into the loop on what was going on. But no, I, I think this is the first he first indication at all he had that she was pregnant by anything. Picard didn't inform him because it's the only way he gets joy in life is making Wesley suffer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until they bond on that shuttle trip while Jordy's being uh, kidnapped by Packlids. Uh, but that's not this episode. Yeah, unfortunately, we already uh, podcasted that episode, so uh, that's a great. Episode. And, and, and in the meantime, Picard talks to a beekeeper who is um, keeping the diseases that yes, uh, is needed for Jordy's Pokeballs. Commander Sam Elliott. That's not Sam Elliott, is it? No, it just his mustache and his white hair. I was about to say it's the eighties. It could have been. I don't know. Beekeeper revolver ocelot. (laughs) (laughs) So I I like that these uh, twenty-fourth century hazmat suits have a convenient um, flap over the face that you can (laughs) take down for easy exposure. It could, it could, it could, you know, fall, fall down. Yeah, maybe if a latch right. Like, oh shit, I have space aids. <laughs> oh, that's because in the future, uh, face masks are so advanced, you don't have to wear them for them to work. <laughs> He's filtered from all the space COVID. Uh, I, I, I liked, but also, like, I don't understand, I don't understand why he had to have it down to, to like, you know, to have the view screen conversation. Is it like, fa- is, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it, is it like face ID on my iPhone where it won't work with a mask on? <laughs> No, I think it's more just that if he had it up, it would be like, Oh, well, yeah, but then it would have been funny. I mean, it would have been funny in some way. It would have been funny if he went through the first half of that sentence with the mask up and, you know, Picard's like, what? <laughs> and yes. I was like, oh, excuse me. So, so, any, so anyway, he, he it became he a spaceball scene. He, he, <laughs> yes. tells Data, he, he tells Data to start downloading the STDs. And it only takes 14 hours for the Enterprise to download the computer information. Apparently, the planet doesn't have 5G. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> or 3G, for that matter. Yeah, no, so. He has to transfer information. There's there's some like big cuts of time in this episode. Um, big, <laughs> yeah. So like from the time they talk to uh, Mister Beekeeper Man, Lieutenant Commander Beekeeper, um, <laughs> like we cut to Picard's captain's log. You know, it's been fourteen hours and we're still not done yet. And he's on the Enterprise now. Yeah, out of his Sadly. beekeeper suit. <laughs> Sadly. Um. <laughs> Shit, whole planet they're on is just a terrible computing system that can't keep up with the Enterprise. 
Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, when we see computers, places that aren't the Enterprise, they're all, like, super analog-looking with, uh, uh-huh. you know, uh, LED uh, number displays. and. Well, okay, later on in the episode, uh, when uh, Sam Elliott pulls out his tricorder, and it looks like it's straight <laughs> out of the movie Aliens, with, like, <laughs> yeah. LED digits on it. Yeah, that's that's some backward tech right there. So, uh, 14 hours later, Data is wandering around and uh, runs to Troy. Uh, okay. Well, bay. yeah, so Data oh, finally okay. finished downloading the disease archive and is sent to go talk to Pulaski about it. Yes, yeah. and so he's walking down the hallway to see Pulaski, encounters Troy, and she asked him to take him to sickbay, and then he reverses direction. Uh-huh. Right, so one of them was not going in the right direction, and it was apparently Data. Well, it's, the, the thing android. is, though, sickbay's the in the saucer section. And so theoretically, those corridors go in a complete circle. So Data was just like I taking guess. the long way around the sick bay. <laughs> but since he had to escort <laughs> Troy, he knew there wasn't time for that. So he went around and took the most direct route. He's getting his steps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So um, go to Pulaski, and she's she's all you know chipper to uh, um, take her off to the maternity ward. Pulaski is uh, really looking forward. Squad. Pulaski's really looking forward to, like, making her impression on her first day by delivering this abomination space uh, white baby. So, yes, D- Data calls in Worf's Goon Squad <laughs> to have armed guards at the delivery room. And she's like, uh... I want to see the alternate episode where the baby comes out and Worf phasers it and it blows up. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, sp- just coats Troy's vag complete with baby guts. <laughs> I want to be like the end of the credits. Executive producer Gene Roddenberry. So you want to be like the end of conspiracy? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Jesus Christ, Remick baby. So Pulaski's all concerned. There's no father of the baby there to hold Troy's hand during the delivery. Uh, yes, yeah, it's because she needs to, you know. A human touch, not the cold hand of technology. Oh, you can't give birth without a man. <laughs> and Data's just standing there taking this abuse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Data volunteers to to stand in for father of the baby, and Pulaski's like, "Look, a toaster can't be a father." Tristan's <laughs> like, "It's fine," <laughs> and she's like, "Uh." <laughs> well, yeah, but I think Troy quickly comes to regret her decision. <laughs> I'll play the class. He's like, um, you need someone here for human support. And Troy's like, well, aren't you human? And she's like, quiet, you. <laughs> I'm not here to support you. I'm your doctor. She's working. <laughs> Data just finds it interesting. Data finds it obnoxiously fascinating. Yeah. Data has every question about the process that any six-year-old would have. Mm-hmm. Pulaski asked Troy, would you like some painkillers? No, it doesn't hurt at all. And Pulaski replies, Troy, when someone offers you you painkillers, you always say yes. Right! That's the rule. (laughs) Pulaski just downs the whole bottle and pulls out a scalpel. Let's go! (laughs) Is she housed now? (laughs) Oh man, that would be... I'm I'm now imagining house as a a Starfleet medical officer. (laughs) I'm imagining how that would be uh, the greatest show of all time. Wasn't you Laurie in a Pulaski wig? <laughs> <laughs> no, and I a Pulaski just, uniform. I, I, no, just, just, just you know, 
just just copy it straight. He still has a he st- he still has a limp even though he can get it fixed with you know Starfleet technology. He's still addicted to Vicodin. Space Vicodin. Space Vicodin. It's um it's Synthavicodin, like Synthahol. <laughs> oh no, it's it's Romulan Vicodin. It's blue. Oh, yeah, that's the good stuff. Get Should be black, illegal. <laughs> black market stuff. Oh yeah, but so let's be, let's talk about Pulaski's uniform because we haven't really. She has a unique variant of the uniform. Yeah, so we've argued about on Twitter here recently. <laughs> yes, but our listeners may not be privy to that. Wasn't well, Sam, Elli- was Sam Elliott wearing a similar one? Well, no, I'm not talking about the color. I'm talking about the build oh. of the uniform. Oh, okay. So, you know, it's season two, and, like, virtually, you know, every Starfleet officer is still wearing the one-piece spandex jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, Diana Moldor is older than most of the rest of the cast. So, like, you could assume, you know, they thought that probably wouldn't be flattering on her. Let's, you know, give her some dignity by, you know, not having her in a skin-tight outfit. Um, Eventually, they they end up deciding, well, let's just give everybody some dignity. (laughs) Yeah, because everybody hated those jumpsuit uniforms. Uh Um, So, apparently, apparently, uh, they did fit her for one of those jumpsuit uniforms early on. And um, I guess for, like, the publicity cast photos they did for season two, that's what she's wearing. Although, like, you can only see her from about chest high. Because uh, uh-huh. they always put her in the back of the group shots. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, I guess that was enough. She found it really uncomfortable. And that is when they decided that, yeah, like, this is probably not a good thing to have her be wearing. And so they made this thing that's kind of like season one's scant uniform, but has pants. And, like, not a bad look, honestly. Yeah. It, it's better than everybody else's. Unfortunately, it's... the action figure doesn't conform. <laughs> it's also, it's got a slit up the side of both hips. Well, it's well, probably more comfortable. They really did just shove her in the back of both of, the, of all these publicity photos. Uh-huh. Yeah, probably because she was wearing the jumpsuit uniform and everybody decided that looked terrible. Including her, probably. Yeah, well, no, like, (laughs) uh, I guess uh, she's been quoted as saying it was extremely uncomfortable, which, again, everybody basically came to that conclusion by the time they finished shooting season two. Uh Which is why they redid the uniform. Well, from what I read, also, those uniforms tended to hold on to smells pretty badly, despite cleaning. As tight as they are, I can expect so. Yeah, I, like, I don't have a lot of experience with spandex myself to know in general, you know, how much it might retain odors. Yeah. Uh, I just found it weird they found spandex uncomfortable, because spandex is, like, so stretchy. <laughs> the thing and, like, is, it's not, like, skin tight. It's, it's, it hangs off of them, so, like, how, how does it hurt? I yeah, don't... but I think they cut those uniforms so, like, it would pull tight across their bodies. Yeah. Up and down. Mm. Especially when you're doing action scenes or running or around to, or trying to sit. Poor Riker. Well, I know they had the bootstraps, <laughs> so it was constantly pulling up on the soles of their feet. But I think it might have also been kind of pulling at their crotches because, like, if you look when they're standing up, it's tight up and down across their torsos. And if it was not being held tightly in place down below, like, it would not be sitting the way it does on them. Yeah, it, it, it's especially uncomfortable to think about when you think about uh, Jonathan Franks's um, <laughs> own physical medical issues over time. <laughs> it's like eh, that probably didn't help matters. 
Uh, oh, also, Troy gave birth to an ugly baby. Okay, yeah, so the, anyway, okay, this, back the to the thing actual is, and this is This is an unpopular opinion. All babies are ugly. <laughs> no, uh, I will agree with that. This baby in particularly uh, looks like a hog. <laughs> also, also, Riker is just like, kind of like lurking and leering at the at the bird. <laughs> ah, leering. That's the that's the word we needed for the Wesley thing earlier. Yes, yes, that's what that's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except Riker is actually doing it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like, Data comes in sick bay with Troy. So like, that's mm-hmm. fine. That that just happened kind of naturally. Then he calls yeah. Worf to come in and watch, and then Riker just shows up on his own volition to watch. Basically, the only people that didn't show up for this were Picard and Wesley. Basically, yeah. And for all uh, we Jordy, know, Jordy's one or both busy. of them were watching it on a monitor on the bridge. Picard, Jordy, and Wesley are just watching it on the monitor. Oh yeah, Jordy exists, I forgot. <laughs> well, he's busy with Pokeballs. And it's it's broadcast on every screen throughout the ship. <laughs> <laughs> We'll sell you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. So after the baby gets born, uh, Pulaski wanders onto the bridge, mm-hmm. fully looking like she's never set, even seen the set before. Well, it is, it is the first time the character has been on the set, so it might be the first time she has. No, it looks like it's the first time the actress has seen the set before. She's like, okay, I was, I'm just walking to this door here right now while filming. How do you know it wasn't? <laughs> and and speaking of big jumps in time, this is apparently like a a day or so later, like probably twenty four full hours later from the sick bay scene. Uh huh. Which there's very little indication of in the context of the episode. She's just like it's to her. It's like this shit never happened at all. Yeah, like there's no evidence on Troy's body that she ever had a baby. That shit is tight, Captain. Riker's just not nodding solidly. Thank God. <laughs> I can't even get my medical tricorder scanner thingy up in there. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Ken. <laughs> so they go to pay Troy a visit, and she has a four-year-old. Ah, so setting that aside, though, what's interesting is the establishing shot of Picard and Pulaski. Where it goes from the, the hallway into the... Yeah, so so the camera is positioned inside the quarters, looking Uh out one of those windows, those diagonal windows that are usually closed off by shades. This is, like, one of the only times in the series you actually see that in use as a window from inside quarters. And many times, the interior quarters set they use does not even have any indication that those windows exist. I've Uh never known that they were there. Yeah, it's it's also a surprise... It's more of a complex shot than I would have expected for this episode. It's more of a, it's a complex shot, but executed really simply because they have those window panes there. Yeah, they never pay attention to it any other time ever. Because <laughs> nobody cares, basically. Yeah. Okay, so like, why would you open your window to everyone walking by your corridors can look straight in? At, or so you can look out and see a hallway. Yeah, the exactly. Space. Well, and that's it's another it's another thing I have with how the Enterprise is laid out, and it's kind of true of Federation starships that we see in general. Like residential quarters, I don't think should be directly off of main corridors. Because mm-hmm. like it just that does not feel to me how any kind of residential space actually works. 
there should be some separation off of like a main transit artery to where the actual entrances to people's homes are. Like in D- DS9, you kind of get the feeling that that stuff is off the beaten path. Well, yeah, because like. like the habitat ring itself is not like a traffic pattern. It's not a main right. route to get from one place to another, but like all the decks, like any where there's a lab or something, there's also quarters on that same deck usually. So like, like I, I can understand for a smaller ship, but for like the Enterprise, <laughs> yeah, like, like on Voyager space oh, concerns, you could totally see this being laid out like this. But yeah, a galaxy class starship where they've got. Um, I showed Mickey a YouTube video like a year ago about like how much physical volume a crew of a thousand people take up compared to the Enterprise, and it's just like a small mm. square worth of people on the yeah. saucer. Um, yeah, like there should be plenty of room where they could make sectioned off residential blocks inside the saucer where you would not have. Like you still wouldn't want to open a window out there because you're still just looking at a hallway, but it's a it's like a private hallway and it's like quiet. You know, it's a, it's. I I admit I acknowledge I'm completely overthinking this in any reasonable capacity, <laughs> but you know, since we're talking about having a weird window out to a main hallway where everybody's walking all the time and they can just look into your room, uh-huh. there's never Maybe a better time it. than this to bring it up. Maybe a partially the reason why the the crew quarters are laid out the way they are is because of the modular nature of everything about the D, and that it was, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a a lot of empty space in there that's not actually being used. So perhaps the crew quarters are just like one modular section that is lower in to one specific location. So and, one thing that is part of how the sets are built, but is also like technically part of the in-universe ship construction, there are modular wall pieces to split or open up quarters to make bigger or smaller rooms as needed. Mm-hmm. So there is something kind of analogous to what you're saying, but I could also see like what you're talking about specifically, like where they could pull out pieces of the saucer section and change them for different, either crew quarter sections of a different design or completely different like uh, utility units. Right, like so, if you know the Enterprise is scheduled to have this many people on it, so we're going to load this many crew sections into the the saucer, and we're going to split the big rooms into this many smaller rooms. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing. Like, I understand on a TV series budget, like they're working with, there's not really a good way to be able to demonstrate that. But like, I appreciate like in the setting information at least the modular way they were thinking about the Enterprise's design working. And I yeah. wish they could have represented that better in the show itself. Another thing is compared to, say, uh, the Cerritos on Lower Decks, where the the lower-ranking crew members don't even get their individual quarters because there's not space. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe just like that everyone has their own crew quarters on the, the Galaxy class is remarkable of, of itself. Although it is already a luxury. In the TNG episode Lower Decks, they do establish that the uh, lowest-ranking crew... Uh, have to share quarters, but they do have you know private quarters, not right. bunks in a hallway. Mm. And I think it might be a case not because they don't have the space, but because it's uh, you have to work your way up. Yeah, to I get... think it's a privilege. Yeah, it's like we we have the space, we're just not going to give it to you. Well, and even <laughs> on Deep Space Nine, like you know, they made Jake and Nog technically share quarters together. I guess that's true. I, I, I guess. I give DS9 a bit more rope there because they were kind of like retrofitting something that wasn't theirs in the first place. Yeah, but they also said they had thousands of people living on the station 
right. you know, around the middle of the series. Now, um, in the first season, they um, they stated the occupancy capacity, well, not capacity, but like um, the current population level to be in the hundreds only. So, like, they had people come and they kept accommodating them. So, like, I don't think Deep Space Nine had a problem with habitation area like that. I'm sorry, what were we talking about? Uh, this four-year-old kid with uh, curly hair. Okay, so yes. this, this is this is 24 hours, give or take, after Troy's baby was born. And I just... This is a thing I thought about watching the episode before. Like, what does that growth process look like to get from an infant to a four-year-old in 24 hours? And she, I imagine yeah. that it happens the same way to Troy that happens to us. She walks out of the room, comes back, and he's three years older. Yeah, like he doesn't—he doesn't actually grow while anybody's watching him. <laughs> it's only when they have their backs turned that he like shoots up three inches. Yeah. Holy shit! Got get you some clothes again. Okay. <laughs> good thing we have replicators. I'll... Yeah. What I, I was going—I was actually going to ask that question. Is like, how did they get? Oh, right, replicators. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I love here when Troy says, okay, Ian, say hello. He says hello. And then Pulaski has this look of utter disgust. <laughs> that's, a- like, that, that, that's, actually, that's, that's actually what I had paused on my screen for the past 15 minutes while you were talking about um, Windows. Pulaski has to look around and say, oh my god, it's a f***ing child. Get it away. <laughs> and Picard, looks, Picard looks and vaguely now- terrified. And and now oh, he, of we, course and, he is. <laughs> and now we know why this episode was chosen. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> because a tirade about windows and doors on main hallways. No, so hey, Mickey could talk about Pulaski. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that was absolutely it. <laughs> She's wonderful. She hates robots and children. <laughs> I mean, rightly so. So also he he just he just tells them everything is okay and he, look on Picard's face is like no it is kid <laughs> <laughs> I just I like Picard's reaction too like he can talk and every time I replay <laughs> yeah. that scene in my head like it just reflectively comes out of his mouth as it can talk, like, you know. Because, yeah. yeah. no, I mean, like, 24 hours later, I could totally see Picard not even being able to, like, internalize yet that this is actually, like, a... A living being. Yeah, this is not a person to him, because, like, he hadn't even seen the baby yet, and he's suddenly walking in on this entity that grew out of Troy's body. Like, yeah, I, I could totally see his first instinct being to call it an it. And... Because it's obviously a space anomaly. So, it Yes. So anyway, um, space rate, not space racism. It is still space racism, robo racism specifically. Um, he, he's not a robot. He he's an android. For, well, um, andro racism. Regardless, um, Pulaski calls for data to come take a look at this, which reminds me of some things I've seen in real life lately. And what do people call you, Keen? No, 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 no. Just specifically mispronouncing certain th- certain names just to get a rise out of people, which it turned out to usually be pretty racist. Okay. <laughs> this must be a grocery store thing. No, it's a... We're not going to get into broad politics here. <laughs> 
that I won't get into the politics of broads. Ha ha. <laughs> Clever wordplay. Regardless, um, his name is pronounced. Pulaski's an asshole. <laughs> Not only is she an asshole for mispronouncing his name and saying yes, so what? <laughs> right. But then she like decides to mock him about it. Like, oh, is the toaster getting feelings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. She's the best. <laughs> Doesn't she even get a tricorder out and scan him while she's doing that? She does. Yeah. She's trying. She's trying to figure out how how how, how he could have bruised emotions. <laughs> it's, it's not just emotions. He just wants some basic damn respect, <laughs> right? Say his fucking name right. <laughs> Like, yeah. She taps her tri- her comm badge and says, excuse me, Microsoft? <laughs> My modem is getting an attitude with me. Is it under warranty? <laughs> so, you know, they, they, they chat about the, the disease and such, and uh, this this one's been, like, forced to mutate into something really bad, but it's not even the worst one on the list. It, it, I forget if it was here or later. Is like the least the 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 most benign one on the list would uh, wipe out the entire crew within a couple of hours. Yeah, I mean, like they've kind of danced around it, but this is the first like really direct reference we get to how dangerous the samples they're transporting actually are. It really is space COVID. <laughs> Um, you know, they say earlier in the episode, like Riker tells Jordy when Jordy's saying he needs to unplug the warp drive to plug the replicator in. Um, you know, once they pick all the stuff up, he's going to want like all the warp power there is to get to their destination as fast as possible because it's risky. And, well, you know, when he's talking about the Pokeballs too, Picard's like, okay, so you're sure nothing's going to grow in these? What do you mean by sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, as it turns out. <laughs> so Pulaski said, like, you know, the one that she was describing wasn't even the worst one, and that was the COVID-19. The re- the worst ones were filled with durian extract. Oh, no. Anything but that. So anyway, puppies. <laughs> yes, so the nursery has replicated a litter of puppies. <laughs> hey, you want to know something interesting about this? All those sure. puppies, they're dead now. Oh, Thanks. Because they recycled them back into the replicator? Yes, and also because the episode was filmed 30 years ago and Golden Retrievers don't live nearly that long. What if they were fools, Golden Retrievers? Well, then they live even less. Uh, oh, I think I think I just felt a bone crack at you saying are you, are you specifically saying 30 years. <laughs> oh. Actually, a little bit more because it's, again, 1988. 32 years. Uh-huh. So I call the nursery also has pointless CGI cones in it. Is that kid playing the game? <laughs> or is the game playing him? Is the, no, it's the game that Riker brought back from Ryza. With the cones. What about the rods? Anyway, uh... That, that's, a diff- that's a different game Riker plays. O'Brien's on screen for three seconds. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think he even has a name yet. No. They were just like, hey, we need somebody with an accent. In the transporter room, like you, Smiley, get in here. (laughs) I mean, at this point, for all we know, it was the return of Connor Potatoes (laughs) O'Brien. 
poor O'Brien. <laughs> the first one is Conward, remember? God, that guy does look like Sam Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, space Pokeballs, space COVID. Yeah, they're catching them all. They're transforming them through Pokemon Home. I mean, I. <laughs> it's a weird and really simple thing, but I kind of like the like sequential transport effect they're doing, filling up the big container thing. It is kind of nice. It, I, 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 love the, I love the sound Eight. of it, too. It's, like, fairly unique, even though it's composed of, like, various ordinary sound effects from the show. It almost sounds like some kind of, like, cheap arcade machine. The, I want to <laughs> replace the sounds with the sounds from uh, Press Your Luck. Oh, yeah, that would work, too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty close. Well, and Press Your Luck, the original, was basically just a cheap arcade machine. No, Amy, stop. (laughs) Just make sure that you don't want any ice cream truck drivers on the show. Those bastards. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, Troy back to Troy's place. She's made in soup. Okay, so... You've got a replicator to make all the meals in the entire universe, mm-hmm. anything you want with no effort at all, and she replicates fucking soup. Okay, Chicken noodle soup. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, this this quote-unquote baby is, or, <laughs> you know, child, whatever, is 48 hours old. This is probably only the third time he's eaten anything ever. They're still kind of working him through the process. So, you know, soup is a little bit easier to uh, probably get down and not have awkward problems with. That's fair, but Troy's still a terrible mother because when she gets in the soup, she didn't say hot. Well, yeah, yes, well, Troy I, is a terrible that, mother because she's been a mother for 48 hours. When my sister had her first child within 48 hours, she let him roll off the bed and fall on the floor. <laughs> These things well, just happen. Yeah. To be fair, the floor is very close to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they they were uh, in a second story apartment, so the floor was actually pretty far from the ground. That's correct. Anyway, so he shoves his hand into the soup. Yeah, he, yeah, uh, he, yeah, he just fists that soup <laughs> and holds it there for a second until it burns out. Well, yeah, if you pull it right back out, you don't feel anything. Uh, and all he wants is to feel something, anything, even pain. Uh huh. He's dead on the inside. Uh, this child is extremely advanced. See, he's already becoming a teenager. He doesn't feel anything. <laughs> Just sadness. So anyway, we haven't seen him for about twenty minutes. Let's cut to Wesley at ten at, at, at ten forward. Oh yeah, because we need time taken up in the episode. Evidently, not like Troy has a plot. Well, I. <laughs> Wesley is doing the Starfleet equivalent of, like, sitting in a, a cemetery in the rain, draped across a tombstone. <laughs> Stare, staring at Morrissey songs. Staring at space in a bar. A bar he can't drink in. <laughs> so Guining actually gets some lines. Jack What's up, kid? Up. You're killing the mood. <laughs> yeah. Want some f***ing tea? You want some milk? <laughs> <laughs> I will never understand why this gray uniform of Wesley has the pants split in the back of it. It looks so f***ing stupid. I don't understand a lot of things thing. about this outfit. 
from 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 the from the sweater top part and turtleneck. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he looks like he's wearing a sweatsuit. Yes. I mean, it's better than the awful three color striped sweater he had in the first season. Yes, but that that actually looked like people clothes. <laughs> this looks like he just like rolled out of bed and didn't bother to get dressed before he came on the bridge for his shift. It's just his pajamas. Yeah, that's what it looks like. If the material so- didn't look so, like, you know, soft and plush, I would say it was a tracksuit. <laughs> Why don't they just put him in, like, a regular Starfleet uniform but have it be gray? Well, they hadn't come up with that idea yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, in spite of the presence of Guinan, I, I can't go through this scene without, like, kind of blanking out. Oh, so well, I guess it's it- Nikki's turn. So it 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 it's it, it's just you know she gives sage advice and he eventually changes his mind. Ganon's advice is to be selfish. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do stuff just because people tell you to. Which is like, it's terrible advice. Well, especially for especially for someone who's like working toward being in Starfleet, uh, you know, a hierarchical organization where like the whole point is to do what people tell you to do. The the the. the they, they were really kind of reaching for an excuse to keep him on the ship without his mother being around. Yeah, I guess so. The The highlight of this scene, though, is the uh, first use of the, like, inside-the-ship warp effect. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is nice. Which, you know, I think... Also, the ship pulling away from the planet is cool, too, I thought. Yeah, complicated effect shot. Yeah. I mean, that, in that, one sense. That much does look nice. Uh, but then not everything's going great elsewhere. Yeah, th- I think this is when um, uh, Lieutenant Commander Beekeeper pulls out his uh, Tiger Electronic football. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and 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 stuff inside the Pokeballs is starting to go wrong. The coughings are starting to mate. <laughs> <laughs> what would that even look like? Another co- wait. Is that how wheezing is made? Yes. Haven't you ever put a Pokemon into daycare? They fed it for one of their own. And then an egg comes out full of gas. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, cut back to 10 forward where, Wes- where Wesley calls Guinan old. No, no, he doesn't call her old. He says everybody else calls Except- her old. Oh, sure. Sure. <laughs> People are saying. Uh-huh. That's what he's heard. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and Whoopi's like, how old do you think I look? Somewhere between Five 30 600? and 3,000? <laughs> <laughs> if so, you got it right. <laughs> and then for some reason, Picard calls Wesley to the bridge. Because <laughs> that's going to help. They just, they just maybe, wanted this, they maybe, wanted this maybe, painful, painful maybe scene to end. Maybe if we threw him in in there first, lock <laughs> them in, <laughs> then we can see what happens. Yeah, if if all the diseases focus on him, it'll give the rest of them more time. Right, we can figure out something, you know. Okay, so we get to this stupid scene here back in the cargo bay with Lieutenant Beekeeper. <laughs> yes, we're like Riker keeps suggesting possible solutions, and he's like, "No, that won't work." <laughs> Whatever you think it is, it's worse than that. Yeah, no, I, I actually like that bit of dialogue where he says straight up, so you're telling me no matter how bad I can imagine this being, it's actually worse than that. Sounds like yes. real life. Yeah. Yeah. 
Maybe this wasn't such a good episode to watch. <laughs> what if we just like pushed it out the airlock and blew it up with a photon torpedo? You know, an, an antimatter explosion. No, the it would send it to another dimension. Or the explosion will then then wash over the ship. You know what would be a ah! really good you know would be a really good idea if they would just like run it through the transporter and dematerialize it and not rematerialize it somewhere. Oh, then again, to the transporter network infect everyone that ever used a transporter. Well, and, <laughs> and, and going by logic, Voyager would establish later, like, yeah, it could theoretically escape the biofilter somehow without being uh, materialized, because that's how um, the episode of Voyager with the, the, the disease bugs happened. Sure, that's exactly what I was thinking of. <sighs> that, yeah, that was very <laughs> <laughs> okay, so his antique ass tricorder detects uh, bullshit radiation uh, somewhere on the ship that's making this thing grow despite the fact it's in stasis. Where could it come fr- be coming from? That's impossible. It's not, it's not like there was something new and unusual on board the ship right at this very moment that we have not accounted for really yet, that we don't know the origin of. Hmm. What could it be? I don't know, but cut back to Troy's quarters. <laughs> and Ian's just like, oh, well, I guess I'll die. <laughs> she said, you know, you say it like that, but that's kind of how it plays out. And all I can think of was like, damn, I envy him. Wow. <laughs> wow. He just straight up says, like, it, 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 it's my fault. All this shit's happening because of me. You got me. I gotta go. Return to my home planet. Or whatever. Or, yeah, whatever. Uh, so he, he starts... Yeah, go ahead. Troy's very upset by this, despite the fact that she's been wearing her uniform longer than this child has been alive. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So she, so he starts dying, and she calls him Pulaski, and Riker and Data come along. For some reason. Or data, you know, whichever. But look, one is his name, the other is not. Okay. <laughs> I can't be bothered to remember which one is which, though. <laughs> All I know is Mariposa is Spanish for butterfly. I don't see how that's relevant right now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what? You should have been there, Ken. Yeah, I was going to say, you had to be there. <laughs> okay. So anyway. It was a completely failed episode. Apparently. There are bus gangs. <laughs> <laughs> so, Troy's crying. Kid Pulaski's dies. not trying very hard. <laughs> She's really not. No. She's kind of wait. She, she waves, you know, the tricorder over him a couple times. Like, oh, shit. She kind of glances, dead. I, she glances at the rocker like, should I actually save him? And Riker's like, uh-uh, no. <laughs> no, no, the, no. The real problem with this is that, like, there's not really a good way to visually convey this child is dying. Like, you know, the scene starts when it's bedtime anyway, so he's in the bed in the, you know, new bedroom <laughs> yeah. they apparently have. And the so whole thing is just like, when he's, yeah, he he decides to die, so he just, like, closes his eyes and lays there, and that's all you really get out of this. And Until, he, until he bursts into light and becomes a um fairy. I don't know. <laughs> they should have turned him gray, like Optimus. <laughs> and then let him crumble into dust and blow away, yeah. 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 And then he turns into Navi. And then as Navi, he communicates with Troy in the palm of her hand. Well, that's better than that's better than where he communicated with her when he first got on the ship. 
<laughs> Maybe if you would have tried that first, they could have avoided some of these problems. Yeah, if she had just replicated a glass jar and poked some holes in the lid, she could have kept them. Or if Maybe. she had just replicated a diaphragm. Or if he had just, you know, asked. <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's too bad, though, like... If there's that litter of puppies on the ship, that assumes there's probably, like, a mother dog on the ship somewhere. It's too bad the thing didn't, like, go and find that before it found Troy. And then they could have had another puppy! Yeah, the whole episode would have been about as good as another. (laughs) Well, it would be a... Well, (laughs) I guess it would be a very different episode then. Yeah, yeah. Puppies, though. Yeah, puppies! They kill a lot of puppies to get the radiation off the ship, though. But hey, look at it like this. He may have violated her, but he said thank you. Ah, uh, well, I mean, that's what and matters most. Troy liked it. <laughs> she didn't know she liked it at the time, but like looking back on uh, it, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> See, it's a positive message. Yeah. Uh, it was a, a completely successful colony. This episode's going to get me canceled on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you get for using your real name. Yeah, Ken. Okay, Chris. Well, yeah. (laughs) The the difference, the difference is, I don't care. (laughs) Well, neither do I really. Um, So, anyway, um, that's enough of Troy's plot. We still have five minutes left in the episode. And really no story to fill it with. No, just everybody on. Let's shit on Wesley. <laughs> let's make or what make Wesley feel good about himself for the next five minutes of Troy's episodes. At the end of her episode. So everything's back Wesley? to normal now. The, can we, should we? No, but we're going to anyway. <laughs> well, who's gonna wipe his ass? Oh, Worf's like God. I guess I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, that forehead of his gotta be good for something. Klingon toilet paper is just made of shark skin. No, we had had this conversation before about Klingon toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that was like two years ago, but we did have that conversation before. Anyway, also, on the C-plot, the Pokeballs are okay. Sam Elliott just beams away. (laughs) After saying that, you know, everything we just did might not even have mattered because we probably won't be able to solve the problem anyway. I was never very clear on why they needed to transport these viruses across the galaxy. Apparently it was to save some planet or something? Yeah. Maybe? But it might not make a difference anyway. Uh Uh-huh. Well, isn't that the case with all things we do in life? Basically, it's like, say say if they came down, they took all the COVID away. But then there's just that one asshole who wouldn't wear a mask. It's like, ah, this is fake anyway. Then he reinfects the entire planet. Sure, that's anyway. Why it, that's why it was pointless. Was it Sam Elliott not wearing his mask? <laughs> no, he was wearing the mask. He just had it down around his chin, but that counts, right? Yeah. No! Did I tell you about the stupidest mask I ever saw a few weeks ago? No. Is, was it Was it in the wild? Yes, it was, this is at a Walmart. It was some guy. Um, you've seen the assholes wearing like the plastic face shields instead of a mask, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Which are bullshit and they don't work. Some of yes. the store employees are doing that, too. Yeah, uh, th- that's some horseshit. So th- this guy was a customer at Walmart. And it, it, the mask he was wearing, it was like some strings wrapped around his ears. And then a wrap down just around his chin. And sticking up 
just barely covering his lower lip with a thin sheet of plastic. Oh. Mm. Like, it didn't even cover his mouth. Mm. Oh. It, it was boggling. <sighs> no, more like infuriating. Uh, I've seen some stupid masks, but I think that is the stupidest one. Yeah. If I was if I was less stunned, I've got a photo of it. <laughs> but when you're in the wild, you count it. You can't really process what you're seeing until it's far too late. And you want like just, you know run back down you, the aisle. By, by the time you get out outside, you're like, wait, what? The? <laughs> uh, so anyway, they, they decided to keep Wesley like a pet. <laughs> Pretty much. Should have kept one of the puppies instead. I put a puppy on the con. <laughs> The Enterprise yes. is chasing its own tail. <laughs> Buster, standard orbit, please. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so much better. Well, and that was bees the... on the carpet. No one would be upset. Unlike with Wesley. Ah. <laughs> so, do you think, in a roundabout way, calling this episode "The Child" it was actually about Wesley? <laughs> Been that way before, but you're probably right. Ten whole minutes of the episode are sucked down by Wesley that could have actually been given to what was say ideal. sucked down by Wesley. That's unpleasant. <laughs> well, it's out there now. Too late. It's but if, too if, late if, for if, a lot of things, Ken. It, like the, there were like three different plots vying for attention here, and the you know the Jordy sci-fi. We're transporting diseases across the galaxy. That's fine. That's a nice background thing that we can make stupid jokes out of. Uh, and then there's the main plot with Troy. And then there's just Wesley, who's just kind of filling space to the entire episode. I realized it was the first episode of the second season they needed to establish that why he was still on the, this, this ship while Crusher wasn't. But there was also, a I don't lot care. of a step. You know, actually, this episode <laughs> is kind of interesting that there are so many changes they had to establish and work like, into the plot. Well, yeah, and, like and it, it was really kind of variable how natural any of them felt. Like showing Worf walking up to the tactical station in his new gold uniform felt pretty like, yeah, that's just a thing. Like, you know, yeah. it was non intrusive. Then and they, established, they established Jordy in the first scene, and that's fine. No, it's really not. Well, it's it's okay. It's awkward. They're, it's they're awkward. very awkward. It's, it's awkward, but it's also... It's very they, awkward it's also, and forced they, they the way they kind, do it. Nobody talks kinda, like that. They kind of just get it out of the way. I It is awkward, but I'm fine with it. It doesn't take up a lot of time just dwelling on that. Now, meanwhile, Pulaski's whole introduction to the episode is, like, this big extended thing that goes across, like, four different scenes. Right. But she is at least relevant to the plot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, she's relevant to to both Jordy's plot and to Troy's plot. So that's fine. Yeah. And the way they introduce Guinan is pretty much on par with how they handle uh, Warp's change of status. Yeah. But then there's Wesley. And then they introduced him forward as well. Yeah. Like, like they could have spent that time, like, I, again, I realized they had to establish why they were keeping Wesley on the ship for some godforsaken reason. <laughs> but. Because he, I, he I, renewed his contract. The way this episode was mostly set up, considering there is a large gap in the episode where Wesley's just gone till like the last 15 minutes. Um, they could have like used Guinan 
to give advice to like maybe Troy, like you know the who ideally is the main character of the episode supposedly, except for the pl- fact that her plot ends five minutes before the episode ends, and the last establishing shot before the ship flies off is on Wesley. Uh huh. And if they could have found a way for uh, Troy's child to be a danger to the ship and have to go at the end of the episode without involving the disease samples, there wouldn't have even been a B and a half plot. Yeah. I think think Wesley's whole plot of, you know, how convincing himself to stay didn't really need to be a story in the first place. They could have said, well, I decided to stay in the ship Mm and do my acting instant training. And everyone's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, don't get me wrong. There are, I, there are later episodes with Wesley that are fine. It's just how he's, crammed into this episode is kind of like a good example of the worst uh, of some of his worst uses i think if this was season one wesley would have saved the day for troy by killing her this child. is also this is true mm. this is true but it's still he's it, it, he's still they're still at a point where they they're trying to like tetris him into a place where he fits and they just can't figure it out yeah, so like, I mean, it's well, we have, it's, to air to, we have to finish the episode, so just do this. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to find a place he fits, but certainly not those pants. <laughs> what they need is 100% more Ashley Judd. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was bad enough the two times they actually had her. I can't believe they had her twice. I know. I can't believe Wesley had her once. Gross. <laughs> So what are we doing next episode? Um, well, the next thing on the suggestion list is fair trade, but I'm I didn't not know if we were like that. I didn't know if we were like going in order down that list. Not necessarily, no. Well, we just talked to Troy episodes for a month. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see what's on the suggestion list. Why? Oh, there it goes. Um. Hmm. Oh, actually, no. We could do that. We could do a uh, disaster, but even you know, that's um, what is that? Season five. That's mostly, a, or at least half a Troy episode, I guess. Half of it's Picard and Turbulent for the children, though, which is also <laughs> kind of great. Yeah, you know, it's a shame we've already done Rascals. We could turn it to a uh, Children on the Enterprise Month. <laughs> hey, the pick. The, the 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 picture of memory alpha is of O'Brien. <laughs> uh, oh, then we, then we can add in the episode with uh, Hob from RoboCop Two. Oh yeah, yeah. Children on the Enterprise. So we would have to do the season one episode where Wesley goes and takes his uh, advanced placement test, and one of his teenager friends steals a shuttle. Oh, I don't even remember that. Uh, it was the first appearance of Commander Remick. You know, before he got his head exploded. Kind of hard mm, to have okay. after that. Uh, I remember the episode where Wesley gets kidnapped with a bunch of the kids, and they all get Stockholm syndrome. Oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. I I just mostly think it's funny that one of Wesley's teenager friends steals a shuttle. <laughs> Damn kids! I know, right? That's basically what I was thinking. Um, and yeah, then the then Hobbs and Hob Hobbs Hob Hob. I don't think I've seen RoboCop two in like twenty years. RoboCop two is amazing. I need to get I need to get a copy of that. I saw RoboCop one only with no breaks. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
that's not that's not wrong. But I also I also I'm in the same camp. I don't think I've seen it in like twenty years. It it, it just leans even harder into the camp and ridiculousness of that universe. Um, I mean, Robocop, you, uh, Robocop uh, Two was was Frank Miller, right? The uh, Frank the original old. story treatment. I right. No, if it was, I don't think it was him actually. Beyond that point, Let's take a look. Uh, Hob is a, a ten-year-old drug dealer that uh, controls a prostitute with a supply of crack. He's co-credited for the screenplay uh, with someone else in story by him. So eh, he had a decent. Yeah, I think I think the I think the uh, co-credit there is like where someone went <laughs> in, someone and came in and, 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 and rewrote and, everything and, he did. Yeah. And fix the Frank Millerness of it. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, we, literally cause, that. Cause we, well, in fair, in some minute fairness, Frank Miller hadn't completely gone off the rails then yet, but he was close. <laughs> um. So I'm of the mind to uh, go with disaster for next episode because then if we choose to, we can continue that forward and do the uh, kids on the Enterprise thing. Okay. And then okay. if we decide we don't want to do that, then we can just, you know, pretend Disaster was an episode all by itself, which, you know, I mean, it is, but... Huh. We're, Apparently we're Hob, stuck with uh, uh, Hob was also the voice of Littlefoot in Land Before Time. Huh. Uh, that was about the same time, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's weird to think about. Yeah. What Before a depressing movie. <laughs> hey, it's Don Bluth. Yeah. True. No, the thing that gets me is like, you know, uh, my experience with it was they showed us Land Before Time in school. I think it was... Same here. Uh, I don't remember if it was kindergarten or first grade. But like, you know, I assume they, you know, picked that to show the kids because, you know, hey, movie about dinosaurs. And then instead it's this movie about, you know, the little baby dinosaur losing his whole family and the world ending and just this super depressing... I don't know if anybody knew what they were getting into showing that to, you know, classes full of kids. Because it seems like a bad thing to show kids. Yeah. Without, like, parental support nearby to help them deal with what they're seeing. Yeah. Um, 80s kids movies, man, they're, like, the most traumatic experiences. Let me tell you about uh, Return to Oz. <laughs> Oh, boy. New episodes of that one episode of Star Trek are made possible by the support of our excellent patrons. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash tfradio and help support the show. Plus, get early access two weeks before everyone else with new episodes releasing about twice per month. There's also an archive of over 100 classic that one episode of Star Trek episodes, which you can listen to anytime. You'll find that at tfradio.net. The whole ambient thing is not going in the show, but this is. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the only reason the ambient thing is not going in the show is because Mickey said his real name. I did not. Yeah, you did. Don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, I have trouble remembering it most of the time. So (laughs) you're doing your you're doing the you're doing the job right. Ken, I can barely remember your online name. It's Ken, I don't have it? an online. 
Ken, I can barely remember you exist. That makes two of us. <laughs>